Welcome to the Whiskey Congress. Honest, open talk dedicated to speaking the truth to those who are open to hearing it. Black, white, right, left. Most importantly, honest, bold, and fueled by good whiskey. In Whiskey Veritas, we are Whiskey Congress. Join the evolution. Whiskey Congress is back in session. Steve and I are together in the Cleveland studio. Um, I know you've had a stressful day. I want to ask you to get into it, but I'm, yeah. it's good to have you here. And uh, yeah. I'm sitting out of Manhattan. You're throwing down some seltzer, just chilling out and trying to decompress. And um, soda water bubbles. Do you? Uh, do you have, I shouldn't have done this to you on the air. Do you want to talk about the work shit or no? No, I, All right. I, I'm sorry, man. I no, no, no. It. It's fine. It's just you know. I mean, it's. I, I mean, just to give everybody a sense of uh, you know, I work. In the inner city, Cleveland, um, in the east side, in the Buckeye Woodhill neighborhood, which is a relatively, you know, rough part of town. And, you know, um, my office is sits right in the center, right? It, yeah. Um, my, move my office from the headquarters, our, our headquarters, into the community center so I could be, you know, in, with, the community. in the community. So, you know, I mean, we're doing a lot of things. We're tearing down, you know, close to 500 old apartment units that have been there since 1941. Um, it's the third oldest housing uh, public housing um, project in the country. Uh, in Cleveland, we're the oldest housing authority in the country. Um, and so we have a lot of the oldest housing stock that there is besides basically New York. And um, so in this in this neighborhood, violence is, is high. Um, you know, the numbers are down, you know, like everywhere. Um, you know, for the last 30 years, the numbers, the violent crime numbers have been going, have been trending down in a good way. Um, but then with COVID, um, you saw a spike in violence, especially in those areas. Um, you know, this particular neighborhood is no different. The violence is very uh, uh, palpable. And uh, we just had, you know, over the last, you know, probably a couple months since I've moved in, there's just been multiple instances where, you know, I'm literally ducking live fire, you know, when I'm trying to get in my truck and go home. Um, yeah. And, you know, this particular time there were kids close by and, I ended up having to snatch them up and get them, you know, into a safe space in the building. Um, and then I ended up driving them home. Um, it was quiet, but, you know, it, just, it gets dark so early now sure. because of the time change. So I just wanted to make sure the kids got home safe. So I threw them in my truck. And, you know, I mean, it's just it's it's the reason why we're doing the work that we're doing is to hopefully be able to flush that out. Um, you know, with the help of social services and, and, you know, redesigning the way that, you know, that old super block where, I mean, it literally is kind of built like a prison. Right. Um, you one know, way in, one way out. I mean, yeah, a lot of one way in, one way out, you know, I mean, like just where my office is, there's only, you know, the parking lot, you have to go up a hill and there's literally only one way to in and out if you're on the road, unless you want to try to rip through the grass and go down the hill. And then when you get up into where the apartment units are, they are literally, you know, one way in, one way out. A lot of places to hide, you know, if you're trying to do something shady or jump out and get someone or, you know, I mean, we've found some dead bodies in weird places, you know, old storage places, old units that have been decommissioned or whatever. I mean, it's a, it's a rough situation. So, yeah. Sorry, you know, man. I didn't mean no, to no, no, no. It's fine. Laundry. I mean, uh, you know what? It's, it's not that. I mean, and people need to understand you know, I mean, like, that's that's what I deal with. You know, people right. think, a lot of people think, especially at my gym, that I sit in this plush office, you know, with leather, leather-bound leather books that smell of mahogany and such. But, you know, I mean, you know, when I'm, I'm passionate about this housing thing because I believe that it's critical to, to the changes that we want to see, right? And we're going to talk a little bit about infrastructure and 
how that impacts, um, you know, different yeah. communities yep. later with Pete Buttigieg. But, you know, when I talk about housing and I talk about wanting to see some of these changes in urban communities and low income and black communities and things like that, it's because I know the impact of, of what we do. And you just like, if you got kids growing up with lead and asbestos, right? Like they're, these kids are off to a, a rough start as it is. Um, so if you can change their actual environment and some of the environmental factors that are negatively directly impacting their mental and biological development, um, then you give them a better chance, right? right? And then if you design this housing in a way like you would in a suburb, right? Like, you know, you pick a suburb that has nice houses and developments and all that stuff. If you design it in a way, um, just like you would in those places, right? Then you, then you can create fewer opportunities for some of these bad things to happen. Um, and then you bring in the social services to directly work with people to help them with the problems that they're having, whether it's health or education or mental health or whatever it might be, uh, you know, childcare and all those things, and you can weed out even more of the issues and problems that people are having. And so that's how you can create yeah. the change. And that's, you know, what I work to do. And, and I, you know, respect that. I, uh, all these people, all the, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps folks don't understand the concept of equality of opportunity. Like, well, I mean, let's like, look, I mean, there's plenty of people who are more than willing to pick themselves up by their bootstraps, but we have taken their boots. Right. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, like, and the no people who are saying that are the ones who are wearing Gucci. Right. <laughs> I mean, and, and not all the time, but I mean, there, there are a lot of True. people. True. There's there, lots of people. I mean, right. True. I mean, like I know plenty of, 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 you know, white people that grew up in trailer parks or, or grew sure. up not far from me in Youngstown or whatever. Um, and it, it's not like, listen, people are able to make it out of these difficult circumstances, right? It's not sure. an automatic death sentence, but just more often than not, it's a hell of a lot harder to get out when, the, when you're starting, you know, you're not, right. you're, you're not even starting off at bat, right? If we're using a baseball analogy, um, where some people, you know, even though they, they're, they're not rich or wealthy or whatever, you're already, you know, well ahead of some of these other people. And so my thing is not to take from anybody else, but it's like, how do we, you know, we, it's no good to move people. If I take these people who live in this neighborhood and put them out in the suburbs, the suburbs, the suburbs don't want the people there. It's evident by the way they show up in mass, um, you know, sure. at their, at their, you know, town hall meetings or whatever, when you talk about bringing in affordable housing, so the people in these neighborhoods aren't wanted in the suburbs. And a lot of the time, these people don't want to go for the most part, right? Like, they don't know anybody out there. They're not familiar with it. You know, are there really that many more opportunities? Usually no, because the people in suburbs aren't going to want to hire these people that come in because they don't look like them. They don't know them. There's no sense of community and blah, blah, blah. So how about we create the opportunities that people see and feel and want to navigate to in the suburbs and we put them in these urban areas and we completely change them? to not only help the people there, but maybe draw other people into that area. So it's not gentrification where you take out people and you put in the new people with money, but you're able to more naturally mix the two. Um, so you have a more diverse and a more balanced community um, that isn't, you know, it, you don't have poverty focal, focalized and centralized in one spot, but things are more spread out. And because of that, like th there's more opportunities that can be created, whether they're, you know, so, you know, you get someone in that, in that area that starts a small business, right? That opens a store, that opens a shop, that opens a gallery, whatever it might be, creating a couple jobs here and there. And you get more opportunity for things like that and increasing the, you know, interest uh, in, in education for the younger kids. Because that's one of the biggest problems we have is that, you know, you got a lot of kids in the, in the kindergarten and pre-K age that aren't in school. 
And so what we know is that those kids are if you if you don't go to pre-K and if you don't go to kindergarten, even though you're supposed to, right? Or or you go you're you know you you have a shit ton of absences or absenteeism and things like that early, then we know that the kids' trajectory after that it, it like is is downward. Yeah, sure. Right? So you you know those are some of the things that you know like I work to fix and and I my focus on that is on the legal side of the housing and the finance and things like that. But I, I, I also directly work with every other aspect. You, you become a de facto social worker. Well, a de facto social worker, a de facto uh, infrastructure expert, a de, you know, a de facto safety expert, um, you know, because I have to work with the police. I have to work with the city. I have to work sure. with, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's, you know, I wear a lot of different hats trying to make this happen. Um, and it's, it's all too real for me because I'm not removed from it. Like my, you know, I mean, there are people sure. who won't come and have it. Like I have to go to them cause they just don't want to come to that neighborhood and they are not shy about it. Right. Um, and so that's just, you know, that's just what I deal with. Um, you know, so people, <laughs> you know, I get the question of, you know, why all the work, heavy working out and why all the blah, 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 blah. It's like, look, man, like if I got to save my ass, I want to make sure that I am capable of doing so. Right. Why I do mean, you need to do crap from a guy? You, you, well, you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just I, like, I mean, I've had some really, really disturbed people come into that building that, you know, I mean, I, I've been attacked, you know, I mean, I've physically been attacked and had to literally <laughs> pin a guy in a closet, you know. Um, so it just, it's all wearing a tie, right? I mean, and, and, you know, which is a terrible situation if you're ever in, in the, in a hand to hand combat situation, because your tie is, I didn't mean it for that reason, but you're right. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, but but I'm saying you're in your, you're, you're a professional, but I don't even think I told you this story. So it was election night early, like one of the early preliminary elections. And it was a delivery guy. It actually even wasn't like a crazy resident. I was, was like, I don't remember the story. Yeah, delivery guy was out of his mind. Um, I don't know what he was high on, but he like he was there to deliver tables for the election, which was the next day. He was two hours late, right? So I didn't get out of there until like you know I'm supposed to be out of there by you know six seven right. o'clock at the late. I didn't get out of there until nine thirty. But part of the reason why is that the guy freaks out. So he he goes into the the main area of the, of the facility and he lights up a cigarette. And I tell him to put it out, and then, long story short, the guy loses it on me, like, literally attacks me. I have to, like, literally subdue him, and I, and, like, I didn't have my phone on me. I wasn't, like, I'm in the middle of a gym, basically. So I had to drag him, and I fucking locked him in the, in the uh, uh, janitor's closet. You definitely have not told me Yeah, so I locked this guy in the fucking janitor closet, and... um, You just admitted kidnapping, by the way. Well, he had attacked me. Fair enough. So, I'm just joking. you know, so then I got to, you know, I got to call the police and, you know, they come and deal with the whole situation and, and they ended up putting, the, they ended up calling EMS and, uh, I mean, his pupils were, I mean, he was out of his mind on, I don't know sounds, what. That sounds methish. Yeah. And, um, you know, they take him out there, out of there on a gurney and he's like freaking out. And, um, what's funny is a couple of days later I found his hat that he was wearing. <laughs> it was, it was, I was like, oh, okay. I got a little souvenir. Um, but anyway, so that's... When I shoot a deer, I mounted. You should mount that hat. <laughs> right. It's gross. That it was awful. Um, uh, but anyway, yeah, so sorry. random work yeah, stories for yeah, me. Work but, stories. Again, I threw it your way and... and uh, so, well, you know, we'll jump into topics. I mean, one of the... So, uh, I didn't write this on the board, but we're going to talk about the Ahmad Arbery case as well. Okay, sure. Uh, but you have the Kyle Rittenhouse case going on right now. The defense, is rest, the, uh, the defense has rested, as has, you know, prosecution, obviously. Um, and uh, you know, the judge is allowing for two and a half hours of closing arguments. I'm not exactly sure when that's going to happen. 
Um, you know, the case... It's, is, that, is that typical for them to put a time limit on closing arguments? Yeah, there's, it's typical, but that's a long time. Okay, it seems I mean, like... Two and a half hours is a long time for closing have, arguments. Having been in one jury, it was exhausting. And I would guess closing arguments in my case were 10 minutes each. Yeah, if I that. Mean, yeah, I mean, you know, an hour is, is, is you know, for especially for a case like this would be... Um, would suffice and probably be closer to the norm, but two and a half hours is a long time. But, um, you know, it, this case, it, you know, there's it, people are split right down the middle. I don't think there's a lot of, um, you know, objective uh, people that are kind of like right there and, in, in, you know, they're like, well, it could go either way and I'm cool with it either way, right? Like everybody's got a very distinct opinion on it. Um, just from a legal standpoint, there are some things that concern me, right? Like, so... While I believe that Kyle Rittenhouse has a very good case for self-defense um, in, in being able to look at some of the arguments being thrown at him, and I think that they can be, you know, uh, uh, brushed aside pretty quickly or, or countered or defeated. Um, you know, one of the issues I have is that, you know, this judge is, is really problematic, right? Um, um, you know, I was looking, I was reading up on him, and he's a little bit quirky. He's very pro-defense. Right now, people are saying he's pro Kyle Rittenhouse, but from his right. track record, he is pro defense, like just in general. Right, he feels that prosecutors have a little too much discretion, a little too much power, and he holds them to a high standard and holds them to account. Which, if if you're a progressive, right, like then you that's something that you like to hear. Right, I would think. Typically. Typically. When right? you're not being slanted by how you're yeah. doing a case. Now, this judge is also like, he's got some weird things. Like, people are making a big deal about how he said that you can't call the people that were shot, you can't call them victims. Right. right? Because technically, we're trying to figure out were they victims or were they the, the aggressor. And so, by calling them victims throughout the entire trial, you plant this idea that they are victims. But if it's decided that, or, you know, if, if the argument is that they were the aggressors and that they were the protagonists and that they were the cause, then they're really not victims in that particular instance because Kyle Rittenhouse was the potential victim who uh, used self-defense to protect himself, uh, which I think is is a good argument and I think, you know, definitely causes problems for the prosecution. But, you know, there, there's just some of the things that the judge has done. Now, back to the thing with him not allowing them to be called victims, that's pretty much his stance. Um, if you go back historically with cases with similar cases right like so he's he's very big on how you know uh, um, you know the defendant and and you know the the victims and how they're addressed and what you can call them you know and, and again you know people who are rooting against Kyle Rittenhouse are upset because the judge said well you can call them you know looters and rioters if it can be proven that they were looters and rioters. So if you can prove that they stole something or were rioting and, and causing, you know, going beyond a protest and, and breaking into some sort of criminality, then you can call them that, right? But so that's a pretty big if, and I don't know that even if anybody is even going to go down that road to try to prove that they were, right? I don't think that they did um, because it would be the defense who would have to make that argument. Um, so, but like some of this thing, like the way the judge speaks to the prosecution um, what he allows for, like he caught, like, so he paused all the sort of proceedings, uh, uh yesterday on Veterans Day to, uh, have the courtroom, everybody in the courtroom applaud, um, the defense's witness who was a veteran, right? Now, the problem with that is he's a witness for the defense, right? Right. Like, so you're telling everyone to stop and praise this guy and give him a certain level of 
adulation. Yeah. Grandiosity or whatever. Right. Yep. So, and then he's going to go on the stand and then you're supposed to look at him objectively and look at his testimony objectively, right? Like that, that is, that is really problematic. And, you know, now some people are making a big deal because his, his phone went off and the ringtone was, uh, um, God bless the USA by, uh, uh, Lee Green. Yeah. Wood? Lee Green, Lynn Greenwood, right? Yep. And Lee Greenwood. And so, and people are making a big deal about it because Trump used that as one of his songs during his campaign. My thing is, is that Lee, that song was recorded in 1984. I've heard that song probably in 50 different bars in my life at the end of the night, right? When they're trying to get people out. Um, <laughs> like at bars, like all sorts of bars and nightclubs and everything else, places where you wouldn't expect to hear it. Um, but I've heard that song forever. So the idea that, you know, that automatically makes him a Trump supporter and, and he just did that because he supports Trump, I think is a little, it's a reach. It's a little bit of a reach. Now, some of the way that he is, is, is talking to the prosecution, um, and just so like, he's very pro defense as, as I said earlier, like, it does give me pause. I wish he would be more objective and down the middle. And he if he could end up being a problem for this case that allows the prosecution to appeal if, the, if there's not a conviction. Um, and then you're, you're, if you end up looking at a retrial or something, which, I, I mean, honestly, I think the kid's case for self-defense wins. I just, I just do. Like, you can't have an angry mob of white people chasing people Right. In deciding that they're going to they're going to be vigilantes. Right. And then when someone goes to defend themselves again, because the argument is they saw him, they thought he was an active shooter. So they aggressively went after him to stop him. All right. Well, he doesn't know that they think that he's an active shooter. Right. Like he can't like like he doesn't know how their what their perception of him is. Right. Like so they they, they decide to take to, to take chase and you've got a group of people chasing you like yeah that's i'm sorry that's a threat to my that that's sure. that's a serious threat to my safety with all kinds of chaos going on with, around with you. all sorts of, exactly right and they're saying well well he he was the anti, like he was the protagonist right like because he was there with a the gun right like no you, that's not being a protagonist right like i mean and it's like oh well he was in a back and forth with them right but my antagonist you mean or anti well it, uh, okay. i guess uh, either way Ahead, you know, sorry. the person causing the trouble, right? right. And, and, and so um, I guess my issue is, you know, they're, they're saying that because he, you know, there, there was some sort of verbal exchange between them, right, then that somehow makes him the aggressor, right? Well, if they said something to him first and he responds, right, and they're like, oh, well, he kept saying it, right? Like, he should have just stopped talking to them. Like, well, they should have stopped talking to him. Right. I mean, like you can go, you can throw that either way, but then they gave chase and his first, his first instinct wasn't to shoot. His first instinct was to run. And he ran as far as he could until he couldn't anymore. And when he turns around, there's a guy literally less than five feet away from him, right? Still sure. coming at him very aggressively. And so he's 17, by the way. Right. I mean, and, and I don't really think that age matters because if you're running and someone is chasing you and you turn around and they're still coming at you and they're, you know, less, uh, you know, an arm's length away, I think that there's no one out there who wouldn't see that as some sort of a threat, you know. I mean, and and you know, then other, you know, another a, a, another witness and another person that was shot by him has said, like, yeah, I had a gun and I was pointing it at him. Yeah, right. Like, so I mean, that makes that's it hard. Pretty to, compelling, right? I mean, like, I mean, if that's not self defense, I don't know what is, right? And then other people, you know, he also got hit with a skateboard and they're like, oh, well, he tripped and fell. Yeah, he tripped and fell, and people were still coming after him. 
you know, and people go to the, well, what if he were black, the police would have killed him. I'm like, okay, so let's say all the facts were the same, right? Like he's a black guy out there with the gun, right? They see him, they attack him, they chase him, right? And let's say all the things play out, he shoots him, but then when he gets to the police, instead of the police letting him go like they did Kyle Rittenhouse, there's some sort of exchange with them, and then he's shot. The very people that want Kyle Rittenhouse to go to jail would be championing the black guy who ends up getting shot by the police because he did the exact same thing. Right, and and I refuse to believe that you know people. Oh no, I, I would. Yeah, that's that's just where we are with our body politic right now, and the way that people are thinking. Um, so I mean, there's just a, a lot of the media commentary is very disturbing on this case because I think there's a lot of intellectual inconsistency with people's arguments and their beliefs. Like they want this kid to go to jail because they don't like him and they don't like his politics. Um, it's not about that they actually think that he's guilty, right? Like they're, they're just saying that he's guilty. I shouldn't say that. They, they believe that he's guilty, but a lot of that belief is driven by who he is as a person and what his politics are. And they're, they're, they're not looking at it from, from an actual legal sense or how we want our criminal justice system to work. You're being very intellectually honest, and the people you're criticizing are not. And the perfect example, and I know you said this, but I kind of want to give you a chance to you know dunk it again, the when you can't there was such a big deal made on things like the Young Turks and MSNBC about how the judge isn't letting them be called victims. If I'm, I'm going to say this, and, and I know you'll shoot me down if I'm wrong, but I think a big part of that is he's trying to avoid creating an opportunity for a mistrial or an appeal. Right. He's trying. You cannot prejudice the jury against them using those words. So prove your case. Don't use inflammatory language that will later come back and make this whole trial yeah, just disappear. And, and he's done that a couple times and and he's been right. It just it people don't like it because they're rooting against Kyle Rittenhouse. Right. They want that kid to go to their to jail. This isn't about justice, this is about vengeance. Right. Right. And and you know, I heard an interesting thing when I was driving in. Someone said no one knows the victims' names. We need to say their names. I want to know more about them. Like be careful going down that road because <laughs> all three of your victims had pretty ugly track records. I, I don't know anything about them, to be honest. Right? With you. I mean, like one of them was one of them was a convicted uh, was convicted of sex abuse with a minor. Oh, another one was another one was convicted of assault and battery, domestic violence, um, and there was another one I think who also had uh, an assault and battery charge. Well, there was right? only two two people died. One person lived, and the one who lived said, "Yeah, I was pointing a gun at him." Right. Also convicted. Of, okay. of, of of assault, oh, okay. right? Like, so should he have even had a gun, right? Like, I mean, like, so everyone's pissed off because Kyle Rittenhouse was 17 and had a gun, but the guy who was pointing a gun at him, I believe, may have had a felony. So he shouldn't have had a gun, right. right? Like, but I don't know, I don't know if it was a felony or a misdemeanor or knockdown or whatever, so I, I shouldn't say that. But, but either I, way, um, we can go down the road of the people who were shot, right. you know, the alleged victims, but that may not go exactly the way that you think it right. will go. When it's a school shooting or a nightclub shooting, that's a different story than chaos and a right. potentially. You know, I, I want I, I we could probably do yeah, this for an yeah, hour, okay. but I do want to do one thing. I have to do this because yeah. I'm a bad person. Oh, Jeffrey Tubin said, Jeffrey Tubin, <laughs> you're taking my punchline away, but okay. Jeffrey Tubin on CNN said, Kyle Rittenhouse is lucky he's not being charged with being an idiot. Oh, Jeff. Um, 
Yeah, you know, you might be a brilliant lawyer. Why, I don't know. Why, why was Jeffrey Tuvin off the air earlier um, this summer, Jim? So he made a mistake that I completely understand. He was on a uh, Zoom call with coworkers and then decided to watch porn on one screen while talking to other coworkers and then yank his dick out and start jerking off in front of coworkers. Now, I, I'm i a pretty freewheeling guy. I'm a pretty open-minded fella. Um, I'm going to say that was wrong and call me judgmental. I have, I have actually have a track record of zero times jerking off in front of coworkers, whether it is in person or online. And I'm a Louis C.K. fan. <laughs> what the fuck, Tubin? You know what? When, when he came back and they made him confess his whole thing, I thought that was stupid. I'm like, bring him back and shut the fuck up about it because no one needs to relive this. He doesn't need to be pilloried in public. But you know what? You do, Jeffrey Tubin. You need to be pilloried. You are a you, sir, are an idiot. You should have not called out the intellectual capacity of an 18-year-old when you, sir, jerked off in front of your workmates. You cannot do that. I'm a liberal guy. I'm pretty open-minded. Are you fucking kidding me, Jeffrey Tubin? I'll stop. Ooh, Jeff. Um, yeah, I can't even. I can't even add anything to it. Like, I mean, it's it's remarkable. It's a it's my, my zero jerk off in front of coworkers policy. I'm sticking with it. It's served me well so far. I'm gonna stick with that. So, from years ago, I actually, I can't say that because. <laughs> okay. Well, I just it was, it was a girl I worked with. Uh, when I was in Chicago, and we slept together, so I can't. I have okay, okay. done <laughs> different. There's a consensual versus. Hey, what's going on, Jeff? Look, here's <laughs> moving on to January. Let's move on. Let's do it. Well, moving on to January six. Seriously though, um, <clears throat> Trump's efforts to block stuff from coming out is a huge deal. Yeah, and. I want to give you a chance to talk through some of the legal things that went on before we hit the issue that I really want to talk about. So let me throw that to you. Well, so we got a couple people here. So there's this guy, Evan Newman, who is seeking asylum in Belarus. Hello, Newman. Um, because, you know, the non-extradition policy uh, between... Sure. There's no extradition policy between the U.S. and Belarus. Um, so he was at the January 6th uh, uh, insurrection and... Um, is screaming that he was willing to die for, you know, the Trump cause for, justice, for yes. as, or, as a patriot whatever, yep. and was, you know, encouraging people to, to push past the police and, and, you know, get into the building and, and all that stuff. And so he's a wanted man and now currently seeking asylum in Belarus, which I thought was interesting. Um, and feels that if he, you know, ends up back in the United States, that he's going to be a political prisoner and, and making that argument, which is pretty ridiculous. Like, again, they have you on film telling people to run past the police to, and break into the building, um, you know, that you're willing to die for the cause. So I'm not exactly sure what your defense is, but, um, uh, you know, you may I'm willing to die for the cause. I'm not willing to go to jail right, for what I did. Die, right. I'm willing to die for it, but now that it's over, I'm definitely not willing to go to jail. So um, I don't know, what do they speak over there in Belarus? Russian? Or French? No, no, it'd be Russian almost. For yeah, sure. yeah. Why? No, not, not French. No, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Belgium. Yeah, no, it's definitely Russian. Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, it's Russian or some other right. Russian-related... Like, I don't know if Ukrainian and Russian, I don't know the difference. I mean, and over there, who knows? I mean, part of the country, I'm sure somebody probably speaks Arabic, so. And uh, they probably all speak English. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an interesting part of the country. Anyway, um, then there's Scott Fairlawn, uh, or Fairlam, sorry. He was sentenced to 41 months 
uh, which takes out to what, like four years? Just shy. Forty-eight would be four years. So yeah. yeah. So, um, so he's a trained MMA fighter. He owns a gym. I believe he's from New Jersey. Um, that and, tracks. <laughs> and he, you know, is quoted on on tape as saying, "Patriots, um, you know, disarm the police um, and storm the Capitol." Right. And then he's on tape, you know, pushing one officer and punching another officer in the face. So he ends up. He pled guilty. Um, and you know, they basically said, look, you're a trained fighter and you're on tape punching someone in the face. He's like, had you, it's a good thing you did plead because there's not what trial is going right. to, you know, what, 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 what trial jury is going to be able to really acquit you. Um, you know, I mean, for a judge to say that, I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that means you were, you probably made the right decision Term to plead dead to rights, I believe is, yeah, a, I mean, less just, mayhem, ma- well, anyway. yeah, but I mean, and listen, the reason why this is important is that like, you know, a lot of people want to rewrite history and say that this wasn't a big deal and the people were just tourists and they were just protesting and they just wanted to have their voices heard. Like, okay, if that's really what it was fine, but I've, none of that tracks with, some of these people, I mean, and there's, there's over 100 people charged with, you know, assaulting police officers. I mean, clearly there's body cam footage. You know, we have it from multiple um, uh, people that have been, uh, you know, in front of the court already. Uh, we've seen it as evidence. So, I mean, you know, to, to say this wasn't violent, but then have over 100 people on camera punching police in the face and, you know, physically fighting with police and, you know, breaking into government property... I just ha- like we can't let that we, we can't let that narrative that it was just a you know friendly visit to DC we right. can't let that go. Now when people pl- downplay it, it infuriates me. Right, and, 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 and I well, think, I but I mean, it, it, it is infuriating. But what I've learned is you, you can't let the emotional aspect get to you. You have to just go back to and continually go back to to the evidence that we see. Right, and sure. this isn't this isn't evidence from NBC or CNN. This is from the cameras attached to the police officers. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, we, we do trust them, right? Blue Lives Matter and Back the Blue and everything else. Like, this is coming from the ver- coming from the police, right? Like, videos of, 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 of what happened. So, I mean, I just, I think that that has to, we have to continue to point to that fact and not let the narrative that this was not, that this was a peaceful sort of exchange of ideas, that that can't be allowed to live. Now, you know, piggybacking off of that, we've got Mike Pence, right? Yes. Vice President of the United States who ends up, you know, not supporting Trump in his efforts to, you know, get the election to go in his favor. Uh, and, you know, some of these protesters, rioters, um, insurrectionists uh, are screaming to hang Mike Pence. He's the Vice President of the United States. Whether you like him or not, you think he's gay or not, or whatever, he's still the Vice President of the United States, and people are talking about hang Mike Pence, right? So Mike Pence is hiding um, in a in a uh, um, loading dock. Uh, yeah, a loading dock, and and people are screaming to hang Mike Pence. And what we found out this week now, I, now I don't know. Right, that, we I, I don't yep. know the veracity of the statement that I'm about to say. I, I almost don't want to say it. But, you know, there's a report out that Mike Pence's badge didn't work to get into his office. It worked January 5th and it worked January 7th, but it didn't work January 6th. Now, if that's true, like, there's only going to be so many people who are going to be able to deactivate his access card to his office in the Capitol building. Um, and so, 
you know, we need to get to the bottom of things like that. If there, we need to find out if those things are true, and then we need to figure out what the hell happened, right? And now you've got Trump. You know, Trump was fighting, you know, tooth and nail to get any, you know, documentation about what happened on that day. Um, you know, he was fighting to keep it under lock and key. Um, I believe that he kind of has lost that fight. Um, but it just, it's a bad look for him to, to, I mean, it's beyond a bad look for him to not want the information to get out as to what happened on that day. And now when you have information coming out that Mike Pence was hiding in a loading dock because he couldn't get into his office because he didn't, his, his key card didn't work, which it tracks, right? Like, what the fuck would he be hiding on a loading dock? Sure. You know, when I, you, when, see, when you sent me that, I felt like an idiot because you sent me that and it said, you know, Mike Pence hit on a loading dock because of his, his uh, access key didn't work. And I thought... That doesn't make sense. He was, yeah, it was January 6th, but he doesn't leave office until the 20th. And I went, oh, it's yeah. not because right. it, they, that he was out of office. It's because it was deactivated. Right. Now, you said it. We don't know for sure. We don't know for sure, but, but we do this know. this is a critical thing to follow. It's a critical, critical thing to follow. We know that other members of Congress, like, they're panicked. You know their panic buttons didn't work, and and I've forgotten know, that. That's a great point, right? I mean, like, so there's there, there's a lot of questions as to what the hell happened, and I feel like some of this stuff should you should be able to follow some sort of a trail to at least get a better idea of it, and I think it's important that that continues and that happens. Yeah, it's 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 a huge deal. Yeah. I mean, if in addition to the riot insurrection, um, in addition to that, if there was an attempt to make sure that Folks like AOC didn't have the ability to call for backup. If if Mike Pence was literally locked out in the hallway and had to flee to a loading dock, and the the, the story is that there are pictures of that that have been suppressed. Right. And you know this is a thing we talk all the time. Sometimes you have to track things and keep an eye on them. But I am I you know I don't want to speculate. I don't want to you know yeah. Pro, pro, uh, but it's, it's something that but we have. It, yeah, if that we, we happened, need to know answers. If that happened, and this would be a good reason why Trump and his team don't want things like personal memos and and you know post its and things like that to get into the January sixth commission. And one of my friends told me the other day, he was like, "If they don't get this shit wrapped up soon, he's going to be furious because if the midterms roll around and if Congress and the Senate flip." This will go nowhere. Yeah. So this is on, um, you know, the DOJ, Merrick Garland, and the Biden administration to, and I'll put it on Kamala Harris too. She's a former prosecutor and attorney general. Right. They need to put the foot on the gas and say, we need this shit out in the public. I'm well documented as being a left leaner, but this isn't about left or right. This is about proving an attempted insurrection not only by a bunch of people who got wound up and got caught up in a cult, but by the senior leadership of it. And they need yeah, to be I mean, dealt just, with. Man, it's just, I, I you know, I, I hate the idea that um, you, you don't want it to be that. Like, I want this. I don't want it to be either. No, but. I'm just saying, I want, you know, I mean, Trump, a lot through his administration, you know, they figured out that, you know, making, making a lot of noise and, and chaos was a way to sort of, you know, deflect from things that they didn't like or draw attention, sure. you know, more centrally on him or whatever. So you hope that Trump is trying to prevent access to these documents just to make things difficult just because that's how he likes to right. operate. Right? Like, that's the hope. obstructive douchebag. Right? Like, I mean, yeah. I mean, like, but, you know, be obstructive, make noise, and, and, and really, you know, draw the attention to yourself to take pressure off of, you know, some of the other things. Whatever, okay, yep. fine. 
um, you really hope that it's not so that he really wants to hide what's there, or he, or because, sure. because and, and I, there's, there's a, I think there's an in between, and none of it's good, but the in between is Trump at the very top was had plausible deniability. He didn't know, right? But other people below him, whether it was a Stephen Miller or some other person that we don't know. You know, they were pulling sure. the strings to all this, you know, coordinating it because they knew if, if Trump stayed in power, they stayed in power and had access. Um, you know, that's 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 pretty scary. Right. I mean, and then the other the the the, uh, the furthest is Trump knew about it. Trump orchestrated it and he's trying to get all this stuff hidden to cover his own ass, which I just don't think that he would be that brazen <laughs> or that clever. But, right. Well, I, I just I, I, I just think that. You know, it's probably somewhere in the middle. He doesn't know what's there. And instead of, you know, someone finding out and someone, you know, in his close inner circle getting burned, he's just trying to prevent it all, you know, just to just sure. in case for everything, you know. And I, sure. I don't know what the answer is. And truth is. is, I don't necessarily, like, want to point directly only at Trump. I'm pointing at the system that got put in place under his regime. Right. Because Stephen Miller, Steve Bannon, all these folks were had a bigger goal. I point at Trump a lot, and I stand by almost everything I've said when I wasn't obviously screwing around. But the bigger picture of the cult that has been driven by his time in office is dangerous for this country. Yeah, I mean, and, I, but it's... I, I, I don't think... In this world. I, I just... I, I'm starting to think that cult isn't the right word. Because, give, me, give me a better one. Well, it's... And I don't know if I have a better one. It's, it's really turned into an entire belief system beyond a cult, right? Because the reality is, is that you can take Trump out of the picture, right? You can completely remove him. He could, we I mean, prove, you proved you, we did right? this with the whole, he says, get vaccinated. He and gets get booed. booed. He was like, Whoa, I didn't right. mean that. I mean, like, I mean, Trump could, Trump, and, and I'm, I'm not saying that I want this, but Trump could drop dead tomorrow, right? I, I mean, he's in his seventies, you know, I mean, he, he's had some health issues, uh, you know, like nothing major, but I mean, he's just at that age. Um, he could he could die tomorrow. He's had COVID, <laughs> um, and I don't think that any of this sort of fervor that's out there goes away, right? Like I mean, it, oh, it, it could well get worse. You know, it could get worse because you, what you would see is a power a grab, yeah, a martyr, right? I mean, well, yeah, maybe, but I, I mean, yeah, they would they would definitely push, you know, like praise him. But I mean, then there's going to be a power grab, whether it's a DeSantis or a Marjorie Taylor Greene or whoever. Right. Sure. And people are just going to go further and further um, with, you know, further and further right as far as they can go to draw and, and feed the, 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 you know, the sure. base that Trump that's sure. really kind of rallied around Trump. So um, and, and so that's why I'm saying it's beyond a cult. It's an entire belief system. And, you know, people are talking about a return to normalcy. And I think this is the new normal. Right. And so it's really like, what is this ideology? Where is it dangerous? Is there any value to it? And figuring out how to, to you're going to have to, like, I don't want to say battle it and fight it because then it sounds like we're just in this never-ending uh, uh, war, but there's got to be a way to deal with it. Um, and, I, and, and again, I, I, don't know, I don't know what the answer is to that. I don't either. I don't, I, the, the snowball might have rolled too far down the hill to stop at this point. I hate to think that. Yeah, I mean, but, I, I think that's... A, Real simple way of kind of wrapping up what I just said. So, yeah. um, you know, so moving moving away from Trump and Pence, I do want to talk about Ahmaud Arbery. So okay. we were going to talk about it. Um, you know, that trial is going on as well. 
couple really interesting aspects there. So the prosecution, uh, I think the, today or yesterday, said that uh, they don't want any more black pastors in the courtroom, flat out. Right. I saw you know I saw the headline you know, of the and, story. and he I listened to the video and, and his reasoning is that you know Al Sharpton went in and sat with the family and and I believe Jesse Jackson that one you know one of the earlier days sat with the family um, and the prosecutor's argument was well if the jurors see these black pastors they might be intimidated um, or you know it could somehow influence them you know to have basically more sympathy for the victim right or Something. I'm not sure what the argument he was trying to make was. Um, so he he comes flat out and says, "We don't want any more black pastors in here." Right now, this is also the same prosecutor who said that he was upset that did they didn't get more bubbas on the jury, meaning white okay. men over forty, non college educated. Right, like he was upset that they didn't get more of those and didn't believe that it was a true jury of the uh, accused the peers. peers. Uh, so that's, that's something that should be better defined. Like, jury right. your peers isn't like a bunch of folks just like you. Yeah. Uh, or I'm sorry. That, that's the, the, that's a defense. Uh, okay. The, the defense I said the prosecutor, but that's a defense in this case. So that's what's going on in the Mod Arbery trial. Um, and there, there's some concern there because you have a, a, a 12 man jury made up of, of 11 white people and one black person. And why is that an issue? Like, well, I mean, in this one, I don't think there's too many people out there rooting for the accused, right? Um, I'm sure there's a percentage, right? Only, more, only takes one is a bad right, thing. Right, I mean, but there's, there's, I'm sure there's more than one, and they're not all related to uh, the guys that did this, but... I meant on the jury, it only takes one. Oh, yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is that, um, I don't know, there's, there's, I feel like this is a pretty open and shut case. You know, in terms of uh, uh, you know getting a guilty verdict, um, but there's definitely some concerns there with with the way it's going to this point. Um, I think the prosecution is doing, um, you know, I mean, I, I don't think that they have as much of an uphill battle as they as they do in the Kyle Rittenhouse case per sure. se. Um, you know, but we'll we'll see we'll see how it goes. You know, there's so much more attention on the Rittenhouse case, and there's so many people talking about the violence that will occur, the protests that will occur. If Rittenhouse is acquitted, and I mean you've said it today and last week, like legally speaking, it's very likely, if not even the right. right. Thing to well, do. I, I'm not look I, now because of the judge, right? Like if he's acquitted, it's just going to be like, ah, this, this is, you know, I, I would it would sit a lot easier with me if the judge were taking himself out of it, right? Like he's definitely he's injecting himself a lot. I think he's made some good calls that have been misinterpreted, but I also think that there's some things that he's not doing appropriately that, that could actually put the, the, the case at risk. Um, Do you think there's any element of him being a judge in Kenosha, Wisconsin or whatever, and now he's essentially, I've heard the reference to Judge Judy. Like, he now knows he is on camera all the time. Yeah, Do you think there's I, any showboating? Not showboating's yeah, wrong. No, showboating's no, wrong. Not, no, grandstanding. No, yeah, showboating, grandstanding. It's a, Yeah, I, I, I think there's definitely an element of that. Um, you know, I mean, this is not, this does not have the same tight feel that the Derek Chauvin case had, right? Like everybody, you know, from the prosecution of the defense to, um, the, the judge in the Derek Chauvin case, like it was like, it was a very, you know, very procedurally correct. And, you know, like you didn't see errors by the prosecution. I don't think the defense made some tactical errors in how they tried to defend Chauvin, but, 
They were also fighting a yeah. real uphill battle. Yeah, I mean, we I mean, had nine minutes of him murdering minutes. somebody. Right. Like, so, I mean, like, that, that was a different sort of situation, but it was just a more uh, crisp trial in terms of the, the actual procedure and the process, where this one is definitely, you know, the judge knows that all cameras are on him and apparently he's excited about it. And so I, I have some concerns there, but I mean, I just I stand by the fact that I think that this is this is a self defense case. You cannot like him. You cannot like guns. You can be mad at all all that, right? But th- that's a different issue than th- what he is on trial for and what he is being accused of. Okay, no, I think you're being fair. I don't I don't even want to call him grandstanding so much as maybe intimidated by the cameras. No, you, you I, like I don't, there's no intimidation okay. there. Okay. You know, I mean, I think he's. Uh, you know, I, I I disagree there. I just I think well, he's he's I'm playing. Weird, I'm weird guy to ask about that because I'm a stand-up comic for fun. Yeah, I mean, and I so think he's, I love the spot. I, I think he's a little bit of a quirky judge, from what I've read. And then you add the cameras to it. Yeah, that could be playing into it. Um, you know, I, I just I think that this case, they, it doesn't need any sort of special favoritism towards Rittenhouse. I, I don't believe. Oh, um, maybe you know, I said that badly then because I'm not suggesting... No, no, I'm no, no. I'm not, I know you're not. I'm just saying there's there's an element out there people you okay. know, uh, commentating on it that uh, that do. But... Um, so move, I, I, move, on, move on to the Pete Buttigieg thing because it kind of relates back to what we talked about in your situation with yeah. structural racism and, um, you know, racism implemented by city design... And one of the things that Pete Buttigieg talked about was the so the um, Secretary of Transportation, uh, former Mayor of South Bend, Indiana. We don't need to read this. Yeah. Thank okay. Anyway, um, he made a few really interesting points to me. Not interesting, but well spoken points about about how when the city is structured in such a way that makes it tough for people from you know lower income neighborhoods, typically often minorities, but whatever just lower income neighborhoods and it changes their ability to get around the city to get food. The, the example I thought was brilliant was when you build an underpass so that a bus can't get from at that neighborhood to a beach because you want to keep that beach wealthy, that's structural racism. That is an attempt by city planners to protect a fun place for white... Well, I said white people, I mean it, but I was going to tap dance around it. But you get the point, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I, I, think, I, I, think think I get it. I think probably do. Um, you know, it, it's... Right. That's... Uh, look, I think, again, people get so caught up into their their sort of, you know, belief system, right, that they just lose common sense. And I think this is where uh, conservatives have lost their common sense, right? It was like, you know, Ted's Cruz's response was, oh, roads are racist, so now we have to get rid of roads. Um, and that's I didn't really, hear him say that, but yeah, I, that's well, he tweeted it, and, and, and it's, it, it's really um, a really intellectual dishonest argument, right? I mean, oh my God, we, yeah. we know for a fact, like this isn't guessing. We don't need to 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 get inside the head of some of these city planners, and like we have the documentation that the entire purpose of building some of these roads, bridges, overpasses, underpasses, uh, you know, railroad things like that, they they were intentionally meant to cut off access of these lower-income neighborhoods that were predominantly people of color, mostly black people, and prevent them from getting to the suburbs where people were going to and prevent them from going into downtown areas, right, to keep those areas, uh, uh, you know, free of the element of lower-income people, you know, all, sure. all the other stuff, right? Cleveland is a prime example, right? Absolutely. Like, you know, trying to get from the neighborhood where I work 
to the neighborhood where I live. I work on the east side. I live on the west side, right? Like it is ass backwards how I ha- for me to be able to get there, right? I should like I really it's really not actually that far, right? If you're going straight, if you're going straight from east to west to where I where I work to here. Like if you think about it, you just shoot straight down uh, uh, I ninety. What? No, I'm saying just city oh. roads. Oh, right. Theoretically, you should be able to just shoot down Woodland, right, and eventually bump right into Lorraine and take that all the way in. Now, I mean, you know, you've got freeways. People listening and don't have any idea what you're talking about. Yeah, but you know, what I I'm know talking exactly about, what you're right. About, like, absolutely. I mean, it would it would make sure. a hell of a lot of sense to be able to do that, but you cannot, right? Like, I have to. Literally go around downtown, right? Like, I can't, like, if I wanted to cut through, I could, but I have to, like, zig and zag, and there's so many one-way streets that all, if you actually follow them, they just point you back east, <laughs> right? Like, and so, it's just, it's, so the design of these cities, like, and we know, and, and some of these cities, like, they flat out said that the whole purpose was to limit access, right? They said it, it's documented, they have it, right? Like, they, they wrote it on paper and left it in a file drawer, right? Right. And, back, know, back when racism was cool. Right. I mean, and it's still there. So we, we, we know that these things happen. Uh, and so what we're realizing is that they're having long-term lasting effects that are impacting these communities that I'm working in because it makes it difficult for people to go to places where jobs are, because it makes people, it makes it difficult for people from other places to get there. Right. I mean, people, a lot of it is just geographic, right? Like, it's just like, well, it's really a pain in my ass to get to that part of the city. So I'm just not going to go there. Um, You know, and and so looking at how we're designing cities and we're going to do all this work with infrastructure. So creating access, right, and getting rid of some of these these, you know, man-made barriers that don't have to be there uh, is really critical, not only to infrastructure, but to solving you know, but for a piece, right? Like a, a piece of the puzzle to help change these neighborhoods, right? Like, sure. is this going to, is this by, you know, getting rid of some of these like physical barriers, underpasses, overpasses, highways and byways or whatever, does that solve for all the problems in these neighborhoods that has existed because of a buildup of, of, you know, really bad policy over the course of the last hundred years? No, but it's a piece of it, right? It's a step in the right direction. Right. It's, you know, changing the infrastructure is a step in the right direction. Building new housing is a step in the right direction. Getting better schools and access to schools and better grocery stores and access to fresh produce. All of those steps are required. We're talking about something that this country built over the course of a hundred years through policy. And again, this isn't anything that I'm making up. This isn't my opinion. This It is literally... Negroes cannot live here. Colored people not allowed to be here. Colored people need to stay here. You can only live here. Literally written into federal, state, and local law. If you look on your deed, if you live almost anywhere and your your house was around in the 50s or the 60s or the 40s, right? Look on the back of that deed and look at some of the, the you know, look, look look at some of the things, the, the, the addendums that are there, who you could and could not sell your property to. Right, this is it is you can get pissed about critical it's, it's, race theory it's, it's, it's all you want. It's documented fact, but right? that, this is what the critical right, race like you can theory. get pissed off about CRT all you want, but with the the bottom line is you can go back and look at our federal laws. You can go back and look at our federal policy. You can go back and look at state and local policy across the country and you see a roadmap of how you get to where you are right now. 
And you can blame families all you want, but when you have the state literally working against a particular group of people to prevent them from having access to jobs, education, housing, food, clean water, safe environments, like the entire, like cities were designed to keep people in these terrible situations sure. for over a hundred years. Yeah. So it's going to take a lot of fucking work and it's going to make a lot of people uncomfortable if you want to do a hundred years worth of shit policy. Right? Even the shit that we did to try to fix it in the 70s and 80s was still not really that much better than what we were doing <laughs> in the previous 40, 50 years. Good intentions handled terribly. Right. And so, sometimes, you know, the, road, sometimes the, the, the path to hell is paved in gold. Intention. You know, paved or good intentions. Good intentions. Yep. Gold intentions. Whatever. Uh, whatever. But no, but that's that's true. And and if, if you're going to try to put a solution or a, a, you know, good direction on this, the answer is acknowledge the past. Acknowledge reality acknowledge this and say it was wrong let's make it better instead of don't teach our kids this i mean but, but the culture the, the culture war gives people money and power oh it sure does right on oh, both sure sides does. of this thing Absolutely. And, and there are a lot of people and you're seeing a lot of people who are who are you know getting a lot of sun a, a lot of shine with this Kyle Rittenhouse case on the left, right? Because they're just so anti-Kyle Rittenhouse and they're going on all the shows and they're on CNN and they're on MSNBC and they're on, you know, Urban View on Satellite and Sirius and they're talking about Kyle Rittenhouse shouldn't have even had a gun and he's too young to claim self-defense and all like all sorts of crazy shit is being thrown out there. You know, but then, you know, you flip around and then you see the culture, the same shit happening with CRT. People just completely ignoring fact, people completely ignoring reality, creating... A, in, entirely different reality because it puts them in the limelight it, it it gives them power and access to money and access to you know everything usa today did an article claiming that kyle rittenhouse his, you know he broke down on the stand i mean he yeah. came apart they were like crocodile tears kyle rittenhouse i'm, like, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm not saying that he's I'm, I'm not a fan of this kid i doubt I, but i will have no trouble calling him a kid and um I think he was genuinely distraught. Now, maybe he's distraught because he knows I am now in the moment that determines whether I spend the rest of my life in prison with, you know, <laughs> yeah. a bullseye on my back. Right. So, but to, to say he's faking it to get... Are you fucking kidding me? He's 18 and he's on the stand facing possibly Three life in prison. Right. Yeah. So, th th to try to turn it into this kid's such a great actor, I'm like, that's shit journalism, USA Today. Yeah. That's just a. And again, yeah, that, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just like in a lot of the journal, like there's. Put me on the try on that stand right now, defending myself against those things. I don't think I'd hold it together real well. I don't think you would either. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, but there's a lot of things with that Kyle Rittenhouse trial, right? Like that, that irks me about the media, right? Like people, the fact that people didn't know that Kyle Rittenhouse's dad lives in Kenosha. Right, and I think that's important because right. people are like, oh, well, you just drove right. from nowhere, right. Right. And right. Just, right? Right, like so, his dad lives in Kenosha. He himself has worked in Kenosha as a lifeguard, right? Like so, it's just like I just I think that there's there's um, a lot of the commentary around this on on especially coming from the people that are rooting against Kyle Rittenhouse. I just it's a I, really I, strong expose, right? Yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, it tells me a yep. lot of of who and what you're dealing with. Um, how reasonable they are, but then you know, again, going back to critical race theory and the and the way those arguments are being presented, um, just with the with the bullshit there, uh, you know, it tells you what you're dealing with on that side. And the idea that you're going to be able to bring those sides together is not good. Now, the issue yeah. is, I think 
there is, I think, both on either side, those are the extremes and they're small percentages of people, but they're so loud and a lot of them are in the media and have control of the narrative that they they have their their power and their reach really is way bigger than it should sure. be. Um, and that's also a problem because I think more there are more people kind of in the middle that can deal with each other. Um, even with their, these sort of deep-rooted thoughts, but if when you're constantly getting the bullshit fed into you from the top, whether you're on the far right or the far left or left right or you know whatever right. you call yourself, it's just it's hard I mean, to see how you put it all back together. A small percentage of people stormed the Capitol on January sixth, but a small one percent of three hundred and some million people is three million people, and three million people can do a lot of damage. Okay, right. I mean, yeah. I know I'm kind of jumping topics a bit, but that's the same concept. <laughs> right. That you know, it only you takes, are, we, we went from 300 to 100 to 3 no, million. Well, 300 to 300 million. No, 1% I, I of 300 million is I, 3 I million people. That's a lot of people. Um, all right, man. We're, we're, <laughs> we got to talk about Paul Gosar in his innocent tweet. Well, I mean, we'll, 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 we'll move through this one a little pretty quickly. Like, I mean, so Paul Gosar tweets out a, a, a weird anime video of – ends up with him basically – Killing uh, uh, AOC uh, and well, attacking uh, Joe Biden, and yeah, an animated version of of uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez or Cortez, and then attacking Joe Biden. It's it's a really bizarre video, but um, he tweets it out. Basically, says no big deal. Um, they did vote to, I believe, censure him today. Oh, I, didn't know um, that I don't know good. what the outcome of that vote was, and you know that's the right call. It's it's really ridiculous. I mean, like think about it, man. Where, like if. If I tweeted out that I was gonna murder what like a, a, a video image of me murdering a coworker and attacking our, our CEO, um, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that would not go over well at my job, and I would probably lose my job. Was that wrong? Right. I, I, I mean, you know. So I mean, the, I you know, like people just argument. saying it's like it's just a tweet. It's like no, it's it's oh, it's just a cartoon. Right. A like, cartoon uh, of what? Right. I mean, it's just like there's there's nowhere that you could work, and I and and there's no reason that there should be a higher standard. At my job, than the at United his, States Congress, you know, than at Paul Gosar's job, right? Which happens to be a congressman right now uh, from so, Wyoming. I was, I was when I was digging on my phone. I'm like, where is he from? He's from Wyoming. This probably plays pretty well in Wyoming. I'm sure it does, but I mean, Still, like, we can't should, have no, it. No, we cannot. Uh, so moving on a little bit lighter subject matter, you know, you have the whole blow up with Aaron Rodgers uh, and him saying he was immunized and. He didn't get vaccinated, and, and my issue is this: like, look, if he didn't, like, if he would have came out from the beginning and just said, "Look, I have an allergy to something in the vaccine," I'm like, eh, "Yeah, that makes sense, right?" Like, or even if he didn't, if he came out like Kyrie and said, I, "I'm just not taking it. I don't want to take it. Freaks me out. Irks me." I, you know, like, listen, these guys make their money with their body. Yep. Uh, and you may not like the idea because, you know, like your dad said that everybody's got to be vaccinated, vaccinated because of the community and, you know, save the people with, we, yes. Okay, fine. But these guys make their money with their body. So if they come to this and say, look, I just, I'm not putting some, you know, new untested vaccine in my body. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I'm not going to beat them over it. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm not, I really don't have a lot of issues with Kyrie. I think it's crazy. The money that he's leaving on the table over this. I think it's, uh, I think some of his arguments are not great, but Kyrie get, is known for his not great. Right, I mean, it's the same dude who was, it was a firm flat earther for a while until Nassau got a hold of him. It's like, look, motherfucker here. Uh, but you know, I, I don't have a problem. I didn't have a problem with Cole Beasley, right? I mean, Cole Beasley. I did. By the I way. know you did because you're a Bills fan. But I mean, like, listen. Uh, again, 
these guys don't want to put the shit in their body. I'm, I'm not going to beat them up, you know, as much as, you know, the average guy, you know. I and mean, I'm but, probably very biased because I work in the industry that produces yeah. drugs and medicines, now, including vaccines. Now, the, you know, but again, if he just would have come out and said that from the beginning, I, I don't have a problem. But he comes out and he, intent, like, you know, he said he was immunized, which, uh, I mean, immunized would mean that you're beyond vaccinated, Right, because the vaccination doesn't immunize you from it, but it does right. protect you. Right, so if you're immunized, that means you're immune to this. Um, and so, it, you know, it was it was clear he was trying to he, he was trying to tap dance around it and sure. be d- deceitful, deceptive, whatever. Um, you know, I mean, he can say he didn't lie, but okay, fine. Sure. You were being you, you sure. weren't being you weren't being straight up, um, and that, and that's where I have my issue. Right, like just be honest from the get go, and. I don't have an issue. Now, people are still going to beat you up on the left because you didn't get vaccinated. But I think, you know, you're, you're you know, and you're going to get championed by the right. Like, and he even called it. He's just like, the left's going to beat me up. The right's going to, you know, I'm going to be their champion. He's not wrong. Um, but I think just be a man and live with it, right? Like, don't try to fucking tap dance around right. it. Now, like, it's, it's again, you know, the cover-up is always worse than the actual, the actual event. So, um, you know, he, but... <laughs> He did say that he, you know, he had talked to doctors and he had consulted Joe Rogan. It's like, Aaron, what are you doing? Okay. Right? Like, yeah. did I mean, he actually say, I know he said that. No, he, he said consult- it. I heard, I know, him, I heard, I heard he, him say it. Yeah. Did he say, he, he said he listened to his good friend Joe Rogan. I want to know, did they speak or did he listen to his podcast? Oh, well, that's true. Um, because, because he, he, again, it was kind of a tap dancing thing. Like I listened to my good friend, Joe Rogan, maybe they're buddies. I have no idea. I think he's been on Rogan's podcast. So I've never seen, that doesn't mean it's not, been, right. I, 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 I don't mean, recall. Rogan has a lot of podcasts, but I mean, it, either way, it's just like, look, that's not uh, like, now if he called him and said, like, look, you're, you're a healthy yeah. guy. I'm you, a healthy you, guy. Yeah, you took this. What did you do? What, what'd you do? Like, I, again, I don't necessarily have a problem with it, but I'm not sure I'm going to hold that up. As the, you know, like, this is why I shouldn't have to pay this fine. And he did end up getting fined, but, I mean, he got fined, like, $15,000. Yeah, was, was just under fifteen. What's funny is, I forget who the player was, another player got fined $20,000 for not tucking in his jersey. Mm. And I thought, this is awesome. You can deceive people about your vaccination status and potentially put coworkers and other people at risk, potentially for their lives, and it's a fourteen thousand whatever dollar fine, but your jersey's untucked, 20 and it's twenty grand. Way to go, NFL! You nailed it again. They, NFL, you know, man, they, they are so lucky that they've got dopey loyal fans like you and me. Yeah, because if I mean, we they, were at all objective, we would just like, "Are you fucking kidding? Yeah, me? You guys I, are never, a clown I, show." I, I mean, they step on their dick more than I mean. It's it's unbelievable. But and, uh, and unapologetically, you and I keep going back. No, yeah. So I won't give up. Well, so I, I just, you win. I'll be one of the last I'm, ones out of the stadium. I, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> I've become especially recently very critical of cult behavior, but the Bills are pretty good right now, despite right. the loss last week. And so <laughs> we might be going to a Super Bowl. Um, so I'm a sellout. Right. Jim admits he's a sellout. Uh, but <laughs> I think I would do titles for our shows anyway. Stay on Joe. Stay yeah, on, on Joe, Joe Rogan. Rogan. Go, all uh, right, we'll do this. So he came out and said that he's flexible enough. That he could suck his own dick. Yes, he did say that. So, I guess the question is, congratulations, but um, did you do it, and and now what? Like, you, like what's now, your... is he bragging about his flexibility or his dick size? Because both of those things have to factor in. Right, like, I mean, I guess, <laughs> like, I mean, or you got to be super flexible if your dick's not that big, or your dick's big enough, you don't have to be that flexible. I'm assuming, like, I've seen there's, Joe Rogan in person, so I'm thinking that 
He's got. Uh, he was talking uh, about flexibility. Let's he's got good flexibility. Let's not he's probably I, got an advertised I, I, I dick. I opened oh, this door. On, my fault. Come on. You, my we fault. can talk about dicks. Come on. <laughs> so he's probably got a medium to average sized dick, right? So he's, and he's a short guy. So he's probably pretty pretty flexible. But so has he has he done it? And then where do you, you know, come out on that? In, <laughs> Jim, where do you come on himself? Well, well no, I mean, I don't have if, a huge dick, and I'm not flexible at all. But if you, so if, if I could, no, I wouldn't. Okay. You know what? Here's the thing. Since you opened the store, which I don't know why you actually, I do know why you. Did. Why? Because but, because he, he said, said it. Yeah, if I, I, I'm one of those weird guys. Be like, I love getting a blowjob, but a hand job is great. If I'm doing it, hand job beats blowjob. So I'd rather jerk off than blow a load in my own face. To all the women in the world who take a load in the face, I appreciate you so much. And well, I love the fact that we live in a swallow is a standard world. However, don't give me that look. You open this door. You call out the thunder. Now you got it. No. If I could, I would not. Done. That's it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Whiskey the Irish. You just be done. We're done. Okay, I close it out on that note. Jesus we are Christ. at Whiskey Talk. Am I wrong? Yeah. Why am I wrong? You would about? suck your own dick? No, no, not about that. Like, you can't say we live in a swallow first world. <laughs> a swallow friendly world. Um, we are at Whiskey Talk. Oh, now, suddenly, I'm. you're the moral high ground. No, we are it's at, not moral high ground. <laughs> we are at Whiskey Congress on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you for listening. We are done. 